welcome to the books and stuff podcast series krishna likes to read books but bala doesn't bala likes to write but krishna doesn't they both love to talk and so bala and krishna decided to talk about what krishna reads and thus the idea of recording their chatter was born the two friends will discuss books they love This series of podcasts is for busy people. People who'd love to learn about a book without having to read one. And maybe the podcast will inspire them to get their hands on a book that interests them. Feel free to leave your recommendations via social media or in the comment section below. Enjoy the Books and Stuff podcast. Hello and welcome all to uh, Books and Stuff podcast. This is episode number 8. Wow, episode 8. Krishna, I don't think uh, I would have said we would reach even 8 when we started off. I thought you were yeah, kidding. I thought we were kidding ourselves when we when I said yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I In fact, I I I'm actually disappointed it's only 8. I thought it'd be at 80 now, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> but oh god. <laughs> I I was focusing on it's not zero it's it's yeah, yeah. eight you're like no I need the zero this side <laughs> okay yeah. anyway this has been great experience for us hopefully it uh, is a good listening experience for you uh, today we have an exciting episode that's what krishna promises me we are going to two books so two books in the same podcast because krishna had a ta- tough time deciding and you can refer to one of our previous podcasts where we had the decision powers of krishna highlighted very well so he had the trouble of deciding and we have decided not to decide between the two books and we're going to take both of them at one shot okay krishna over to you give us the first book and it's first you have to tell me why did you pick this book the first one no just to what you said right like we we haven't uh, done this in a while now so some for some reason or there things got delayed and that means my book pile has uh, you know has grown so there's more books to do and uh, we thought why not uh, uh, you know use the opportunity and make it a what they they call it bogo right buy one get one offer uh, so you, you you listen to one podcast and you're going to get two books instead of one so <laughs> that, that that was or idea. double the trouble okay <laughs> yeah yeah or double the trouble how you think about it and uh the other interesting thought uh, bala and i had was you know maybe if we do two books uh, it gives us an opportunity to compare uh, the two um, because i picked two books that are not necessarily similar but they have some similarity uh, meaning they're both in the how to improve yourself camp and uh, if you guys remember most of the books maybe half of the books we've done are in that uh, self improvement how to think better camp you know the other half are like biography some fiction etc so it's both of them were in the first camp so I thought we'll uh, uh, it it makes makes sense to like mix them up and compare so we'll see how it goes you know first time we're doing it right go ahead and uh, introduce to us first book so the first book is called digital minimalism by cal newport our uh, regular listeners would, would would be aware of the name cal newport because that is the first book uh, his his earlier book was the first podcast was featured in our first podcast he wrote the book uh, deep work which uh, we really like both of us like digital minimalism is a follow up to that book and uh, it kind of goes uh, version 2.0 the second version of 
the deep workbook, but you know it, it goes to one more level of you know, avoiding digital distraction. So that's book number one. Book number two, uh, it has a funny title. Uh, it is called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. Kind of the story of my life. That's, that is the title of the book. And it's written by a funny guy, Scott Adams. You guys will, uh, most people are familiar with Dilbert. He's the author of Dilbert. Dilbert, and, uh, Dilbert, Dilbert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've read a lot of books, but this book is one that I actually, I, I try to buy, get books from the library, read them and give it back. But after reading this book, I went and bought a copy because it's the kind of book it's, it's hard to summarize. And it's, it's like, I can read the book every weekend. Like I just take, oh, and open a page and I'm like, oh yeah, that's interesting. So it's that kind of a book. So I'll throw it in there and see how the podcast format goes for that book as well. So as uh, the, the title suggests, the book is uh, written in a very irreverent kind of way. So he says, I'm going to give you a lot of life advice, but uh, beware you're listening to life advice from a cartoonist. So, so good luck with that. So that's, <laughs> that's the tone of the book and I kind of like it. And so the stuff he says is insightful. It's not uh, boilerplate. It's not uh, cliches. It's like just simple, practical stuff. And and for that reason, I like that book as well. So that's intro to the two books. Okay, let's start with uh, why did you even have trouble deciding between the two? Seems to me like they're distinctly different in in styles, in in content, in what they have to say, in the way they have to say. So why why the trouble? Actually, I wanted to do both of them. Like I, I wouldn't have done one versus the other. The, the decision point really was that the second book I thought had so many little facts to throw at. So I was wondering if it should be a, its own podcast. Like it, you know, maybe we don't have time to do everything about the book if we do two or two or time. So that was the question in my mind, not uh, one versus the other. Uh, digital minimalism, I think, is a very topical, like, or, or it, it, it makes sense for this time because we're all probably struggling with too much digital in our lives. So I definitely want to do that book but uh, the other one is like a timeless book you know it's like uh, you can use some of the advice there whether you're a 40 year old 60 year old 20 year old even for your kids you can kind of distill some of that uh, thinking and give it to them so it's like a more timeless book the other one i think is very timely what did you find memorable about uh, let's start with the digital minimalism i'm i'm intrigued because by the sound of it sounds like the exact opposite of where we are at right now so what what what's something that's really stood out and memorable in your opinion about the sure, sure. digital minimalism book? So the first thing is right, like the, the if you remember the deep work book, uh, and and I'll just give a quick preface from that book because that's important to understand this book. The deep work book basically made this core point that you cannot think what's called attention residue. So you cannot think of small distractions when you're doing work as equivalent to the time spent in the distraction because every time you get distracted the impact on your work is actually much more, you know, maybe 10x the amount of distraction. For example, you're working on something, you've been working for 10 minutes and you check your phone for two minutes. You know, the distraction is not two minutes. It's probably another 20 minutes because uh, the depth of your work comes down a lot by having small distractions. So that was the core of the book. And the book was about, you know, okay, how do you design your workspace? How do you design, avoid pinging on your computer? Like, you know, every time an email comes, there's a ping. How do you avoid those kind of distractions so that you can actually get a stretch of deep work in? That was the core of that book, right? The second book goes like one step higher and says, you know what? This is a losing battle. You know why? Because really powerful, wealthy companies are sitting there with all these research scientists with the whole purpose 
of gaining your attention and they're going to do whatever it takes to gain your attention and i i don't remember if i saw this phrase in the book but this idea that technology used to be something that uh, helps you do things better that was the past and now technology happens to be something that uh, makes you do things right so technology has changed from helping you do things to make you decide what to do so it's it's this this power that you're fighting against and it's a losing battle so instead of trying to design how you'll work and what you do, uh, he's now saying that the right approach is to even go mega like you know mega and say you know what i'm even going to decide whether i'm going to have things like this in my phone that's the core of the book to say how little do i need uh, of technology because having all the technology and then trying to play around with on the edges with how much i am going to use is a losing battle because the companies will win over time and eventually your attention is just dropped you know that's your most priced asset and the companies are after it so that's the i mean it sounds a little oh the big brother is out to get you but if you think about it that's exactly what the companies are trying to do so you know they're, what they're doing is legal it's just up to you to decide whether you want to use it or not so that's the core of the book and so for, for me what uh, stands out is i mean i would i'll pick two things like one he like any other diet right like you know when you get on a diet sometimes people say you know first do a 30 day fast of all these things uh, clear your system off of it and then slowly introduce things back in right so he he recommends a 30 day digital fast is basically saying you know get rid of all the let me look at the common apps that you use on your phone and just get rid of all of them for 30 days just a diet go off of facebook or uh, twitter or whatever your social media you're on go off of checking personal email except you know at certain times you know whatever like design your 30 day fast make it little drastic because at the end of it you'll probably come out thinking huh nobody really missed me right i didn't miss them either you know initially it was, <laughs> it, was it, it appeared painful but then after a while i realized i can actually be off of them uh, and that will give you a freedom to decide when to use it right so and what to use so that's that's one thing that you know stood out and i did a one week version of it one month seemed like a long time so i did a one week version of it that actually was not hard at all like one week was not hard at all for me so that's one thing that's memorable what did you do in that one week how did you go on digital diet maybe a little bit yeah, of- yeah so it was a spring break here in ohio so it was also time when uh, I was off work. I'd taken vacation that week, so I decided, and this also connected to the second point I I wanted to make. So I'll get to that. But I decided, okay, let me just do this. You know, just switch off the phone. I won't check phone except uh, check my phone. Except, I mean, I'll, I'm anyway not a big social media guy, so I'm not the kind who is on Twitter or Facebook or anything. So it's a little bit easier for me. For me, I think the biggest thing is just checking email, uh, whether it's work email or personal email. and to some extent messages and whatsapp but even there if you remember after deep work i had mentioned when I mean, we did the podcast that i had turned off all notifications so i'm not in a i still check my phone often but i don't the phone doesn't tell me when to check right there's no notifications popping up if somebody texts me and so i just want to know why so what i did was you know this whole week i'm not going to check my phone i'm maybe in the evening i'll check my work email and uh, check all my messages at one stretch but that's it I was able to do that for seven days. The second point, which uh, I got from the book that I would call memorable, is that he also advises having a, a physical hobby. You know, like doing something that's not digital. It can be video games. It can be, you know, programming in your spare time. You know, 
something that doesn't use electronics pick something like that and so i thought i'll do uh, some uh, floor project in my house that I, that had to be done you know changing the floors it's something i haven't done before so i thought uh, you know what that is going to use my brain and obviously it's an easy thing for most people it is not for me so 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 my perspective it's a intellectual challenge and a physical challenge so let me spend i think two of those uh, seven days i i spent almost exclusively on changing the floor in one of my room, one of the rooms in my house and then missed the phone because i was doing something physical so that that's memorable because that's something that was a very different week from any other week of my life in the last five years right so because that stands out and that came from the book so directly from the book some people call digital the opposite of digital minimalism as digital addiction right so that's the other extreme as with any other form of say addiction or something that you get drawn to when you actually suddenly stop something like that like a 30 day fast or a 7 day fast you have withdrawal symptoms so did you have any you since you had a 7 day version of it uh, did you feel anything that oh oh my god maybe I, am i missing something or uh, is is there something that you felt what, what's your feeling if you check your phone 100 times how many times do you actually have something that's oh my god i shouldn't have missed this right like you you realize that statistically <laughs> it's a very low number of times that you get a message that's super important or an update that's that couldn't have waited 10 minutes or 1 hour or maybe one day or even a week right it's basically noise most of most of that is noise and you realize it just one day if you don't check the phone you realize it you don't miss anything so i think it's more a habit for me like so you know nothing's going on let me check my phone i'm i just came here i'm standing in the drive through waiting in line let me just touch my phone so that it pops up to see if there's something so i feel like it's a habit and i i remember one example i was at a a doctor's office i don't know if it was that week or a different week and uh, and i was sitting there and i suddenly realized i was the only beard guy there who was looking at other people because everybody else was looking at their phone <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was like wow this is this is unique like i'm a unique person now and it's like 20 people waiting and nobody's looking at anything like and i'm like looking around and and you're happily staring at them without them realizing, even realizing and i'm like looking at the walls and i'm like oh, i probably have come there many times but i didn't realize they had this on the wall or or they re- they, they could have redesigned the whole thing and then people won't know <laughs> uh, it is actually i mean it's a pri- I mean, i'm sure it is universal everywhere that's how it is but uh, if you go on the fast you do uh, realize that you're an odd entity uh, meaning nobody's figured it out that you don't really need to be on your phone all the time. I, that i mean it, it also goes to this idea that it's okay to be bored because you let your thoughts wander they have time to settle down right you don't have to consume so much information because you don't have time to digest it and that's that's a whole new topic like that i can talk for hours on it like this idea that you consume a lot of information uh, but you don't have time to for it to digest so you don't have time to think at all and which is which leads to all sorts of social problems now because people uh, you know people live in their own bubble they connect with the same people so whether it's political or or any or philosophical you know people group themselves into buckets because they don't have a they don't have the time to think about other points of view because they just bombarded with so much information so the information fast itself is a i think it's a beautiful idea like it's uh, it it helps you calm down and it actually helps you gain some knowledge paradoxically when you're not actually consuming information because information doesn't mean knowledge right 
So that that delta happens, I think, when things are allowed to settle in your mind and you you can actually let your thoughts wander and ask questions, make comparisons. Uh, you don't have time for that because any free time you're standing in the line to pay your bill or whatever, like and and you're checking your phone and I don't know what additional information you're getting. I'm guilty of this too, so I have to keep a check on it. But now I'm trying to reduce, I mean, a lot of that that time, you know, making make it my own time rather than somebody else's time. Krishna, tell us the core of the second book. Maybe a just our usual just. The second book is a harder book to summarize uh, because, like I think I mentioned earlier. Like, you know, most of many of the books, you know, digital minimalism included, will have one clear idea at the top and then there'll be lots of anecdotes supporting the idea and then there'll be solutions. So it'll all be based on one idea. The second book is a little bit harder. It's more like, you know, life advice. So I'll, I'll try to summarize it like this, you know, the way I understood it. The core is the idea of success and we can go into how you define success, but he he does a little a job of it. So we'll, we'll get to it. But uh, how will you define success? Uh, success is a probability game. It's a numbers game, right? And it's not guaranteed. Like you can, you can plan your life. You know, you can plan your your life is probably it's too late, but, but your kid's life you can maybe plan it. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, it's like uh, snakes and ladders, right? So you don't know. You know, many things can happen. Uh, uh, the best you can do, and he says this is that. Look at patterns around you, look at patterns from the past and say, you know, these things tend to work, right? So, uh, so basically, just improve, just when you make decisions, look at the probabilities and just uh, rate your chances higher by picking the right things. You know, you know what things don't work, you know what kind of people are not happy, uh, don't do that. You know what kind of people are happy, uh, what do they do? Do that, right? Still. Nothing is guaranteed, but you're just improving your probabilities from improving probabilities by you know a few percentage points, and that's all his philosophy is. And because it's so sensible uh, to an engineering mind like ours, uh, and there's no you know big um, mythology or like philosophy or uh, right the right way and all that. It's just simple probabilities, and the way he explains it, it's uh, intuitively attractive to someone like me. So that's the core. So he. he if you and I'm just skimming through the, the the contents here, so I can throw out some a few things. But basically, he says there are a few things that are known that that increase success. There's no reason why you shouldn't add those to your life, right? And the costs, some of the the costs and some of these are very low that it makes sense to add to your life. For for example, he says stuff like the ability to speak, you know, good conversation skills leads to better success, and it's a learned skill. Most people can do it. There's no reason why you should try to be better at it. Uh, elementary knowledge of psychology, you know, some knowledge of design, simple conversational skills, learning a second language, using proper grammar, persuasion techniques, learning some technology, being aware of technology at, at the hobby level, he calls it. You don't have to be a tech guru, but just basic technology. And, and even simple, proper voice technique helps give you gravitas it, it improves how people perceive you these are small additions to what you have but he says what matters is the sum total of those is actually much higher small uh, things which which tip uh, the scales in your favor at some point could be something as simple as the voice you used or the fact that you just happen to know spanish and this guy you meet uh, gives you an opportunity so these are all the world is when he has, he looks at the world as a series of 
probabilistic events and at different points you don't know what's going to work but there are some basic things that can tip the scales in your favor that that's the whole mental model for the book this is the big thing about the book and and i think that i like about the book is in in a sense i would recommend people it's worth it's a book worth buying is because once in a while saturday morning you just you, uh, you, the book is lying around you just open it and you can read like one page and you'll be like oh yeah that's that's i forgot about that that's, that's interesting it's that kind of book whereas the first book once i explain the concepts to you, you you pretty much get it like you you know it like you don't need to buy the book or own the book that that's my take to me the second book also has layers like like an onion right so once one time read i think i i haven't read the book obviously and but this is by design let's say for the podcast so i'm the dumb guy asking yeah. to me it sounds like there are multiple layers to this book exactly yeah, the the onion analogy is perfect i'll tell you that okay so. <laughs> perfect okay i i just hmm. came up with it okay i'll give an example and this is this is definitely worth mentioning happiness he comes up with a happiness formula okay it's a like a tongue and cheek thing but he throws the following things in there he says the happiness formula is very simple eat, eat right exercise get enough sleep imagine an incredibly positive future work towards a flexible schedule do things you can steadily improve at help others reduce daily decisions to routine i'll give you a context of why he's saying this so he says first of all health is extremely important for happiness uh, your health is a mix of luck and what you do luck meaning you know your biology your your genes etc and nothing much you can do about it what you can do of course is the simple sensible thing of eating healthy focusing on your fitness getting enough sleep those are no brainers there are very few people who are completely unhealthy and still happy right it just doesn't correlate so so just try to avoid it as much as you can you know pro- remember probabilities game right so the first three suggestions are all have to do with if there is a tie up between your work and your health health prioritize health because you're you're not trying to be successful at work you're trying to be happy in life uh, the second thing he says happy people tend to be positive in their outlook because where you are you know like the state doesn't matter the direction of travel matters so in your mind if you think you're going to get better you'll be happy obviously you and i we know people who are probably 10x lower than us in some metric right whether it's financial or health or whatever and you find that we are not 10x happier than them and the reason is because it's not where you are it's about where you think you're going so if you think in the next 5 years things are going to improve in your life you're probably going to be happy so he says and i forget the exact quote but this stuck in my mind the concept stuck in my mind he says unhappiness is simply a lack of imagination your future can be better <laughs> he says you can you can actually will yourself to just start thinking that things are going to get better you know there are some people i know who are like that so no matter what happens they'll be like yeah this is also one of those times but you know things are going to get better that approach those people actually end up being happy again i want to caveat this because there are people who are going through real difficult situations right so this is not like to undermine people who are have genuine you know big tragedies in their life this is assuming that you have a like normal range of issues then i was also thinking of extreme situations where you have depression you know like you know chem, uh, you know chemical imbalances all of that you can't just tell them you know will yourself to be better so you have to be aware of uh, we have to be aware of those things but for the most part if you are somewhere in the within the one sigma of 
to go through it seems like sensible advice to me um, yeah basically uh, you're saying clinical cases are exceptions i mean yeah, yeah. they're they're no, they don't come under yeah, this clinical cases and also healing and wishing it yeah, away clinical um, cases and also you you know people in your life who have been through disastrous tragedies right so you can't just i mean they leave that or, i mean they have to be dealt they have to deal with what they go through they have grief and stuff like that that this doesn't work there but for the most of us who are fortunate but still go through stress this seems like sensible advice what i've heard krishna is that victor frankel his book on i forget the title i'll, I'll put it in the description uh, have you read that book victor frankel's book about the concentration camp and his experience and how he got out of it? no i haven't uh, from what i remember i i haven't read the book i've heard about this book and it says that they they did whatever they could but they couldn't take away what i thought of this so that they cannot dictate oh, yeah you can decide what you do to me but you can't decide how i react to it or something like that right man search for ultimate meaning okay i think this is the one i'm talking about okay uh, i'll look it up so yeah so it is uh, i guess all of this started with your idea of onion onion and like uh, levels of in the book and you can you can go to levels but he tried to tries to keep it fairly logical without getting into tricky issues of what is happiness etc it is more like you know probabilistically think what you want to do oh one other thing that he says something which i like totally agree with that he says happiness like one core part of happiness is having control of your schedule like control of your time a lot of people <laughs> yeah. right like you you i know you're laughing because you figured that out like a long time ago <laughs> uh, it is it he says like uh, and it's obviously not feasible for everybody to say you know what i'm going to control my schedule but that's why he says work towards a flexible schedule as much as possible in your life uh, somehow we don't we don't teach this to teachers in college that the we, we we keep thinking i mean at least when i was in college i never even imagined that what i'm i'm doing all this to to get a flexible schedule like i was always thinking i'm doing all this to get a good job right that's how people think but now i realize the point the point of having expertise is that you can control how you spend your day somehow i i feel like 99% of the people don't have control of their day even though they might be doing something that they always wanted to do flexible schedule is a key point and he's caught on to it like he he talks a lot about that in the book and how you can do that so of course as a cartoonist he has the best job when it comes to flexible schedule but it's not everybody can do that right so but it's it's just, it is definitely important for happiness and you know a lot more of the netbala <laughs> i'm the resident expert okay yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> what i started doing was my system dictates what i should be doing so i listen to my system but ultimately i feed in what the system should have so it's sort of i am the boss from the past So yeah. I've already told myself what I'm going to be doing say, tomorrow day after. And yeah. if there's something then I I'm answerable to my past boss. So past me. So weird yeah. way of putting it but yeah that that's what it no, is. No it is uh, I found it uh, interesting that you use how you feel to tell you what you should be doing. He uses a similar idea like he says energy is aware of how his body reacts you know when he when he does some things he's tired he's exhausted he's unhappy and he does other things he's happy you know and uh, it it could be simply diet and exercise to what kind of job he does what kind of people he interacts with so he uses his personal energy as a as a tell 
to figure out how we should organize his life. Even for diet, you know, he gives this example that diet people assume diet is some kind of absolute science, but it's not because you know we know that diet science is one of the most imperfect because it's very hard to test any diet idea with control groups because there's just too many variables you can't control for it. So that's why you find that with all this advanced science, nobody can really tell you what to eat. Like, you know, every every other person, every other doctor seems to have a diet. Uh, what he says is you are unique and so you have to figure out what works for you you know if you eat rice that makes you feel sleepy and low energy then figure out when you want to eat it and when you don't want to eat it just go with how you your system feels and don't listen to any kind of uh, external input on what is the right thing to do you know of course be sensible don't go overboard but within the realms of reason uh, figure out what works for you and the same with exercise he says he, he wants to he wants to work out every day do something every day because it simply puts him in a better state of mind his energy level is higher so he's not doing it to look good or lose weight or anything he's just doing it as a as something that that is for the day i work out in the morning the rest of the day i'm going to have good energy that's it and the same with his work you know he the way he decides when he works he he gets up in the morning and the first thing he does is start drawing he has a coffee and he'll start drawing because that's his best space it's quite whatever you know works for him that's when he has highest energy in the afternoon he has he, he works out has lunch and after that it's unlikely that he'll be productive so he'll be doing other things email communicating marketing so this ability to design his day and combined with using energy as a metric is something i thought was interesting uh-huh. sounds like you you have some version of it as well yeah so i i read an article a few years ago i mean, maybe a decade ago called manage your energy not your time This was a yeah. time actually just after I had gone through a training program on managing your time at work and uh, I read this and said oh okay so yeah this actually makes more sense than managing my time this is by Tony Schwartz there on Harvard Business Review I remember this this guy uh, also used to write that if you're perennially exhausted there's no point going 12 hour days 14 hour days and and feel miserable and make all those errors and and the rest of it you know it affects the rest of the stuff that you talked about health your positive outlook everything else goes out of task so to me i think you fix one and rest of them sort sort of start falling in place yeah, awareness yeah. of one parameter where we jump off the wagon is when we try to see oh there are so many parameters let me focus on dieting and then that doesn't go well and then you look at oh my sleep is gone off then you work 12 hours a day and then you feel you know, your energy gone so it's it's a whole mix up then i think it's simpler because our mind is very difficult for it to fathom so many variables so yeah. you pick yeah. one and sort of have more control over it rest of them sort of and particularly important ones i think uh, like energy yeah yeah i'll i'll add one more twist to it since you said one there is this book called uh, i think it's called atomic habit oh um, yeah which uh, 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 james clear yeah i don't know if i'm referencing the right book but basically or or was it the power of habit so i'll tell you the idea first and then we'll figure out which book it is the idea is that you have one habit you just focus on one habit it's the keystone habit that's all like you said that's all your mind can figure out your your mind and your will power can handle at one time but but once you have that established other things kind of follow you know like exercise is a good example right once you make this habit that you know what i will do some exercise every day 
for the rest of my life the rest i can do whatever i want you you'll find that that is spilling into other things in your life you know your energy is a little bit better when you're eating that fifth cookie you're asking yourself do i really need this because i spent so much time working out do i want to eat unhealthy stuff so your diet automatically starts changing and if you as long as you don't have any goals on the exercise you just say you know what it's just a habit i'm just going to do it you will find that other things improve you know and i'll find out what the exact book is that focuses on this idea but it it i was reminded of it because you said that there's only one thing you can handle at a time right uh, it's actually pretty positive yes book if i remember because i i subscribed to his blog and uh, his articles are around uh, you know these little changes that can make a big effect impact on like like keep your gym shoes ready and your gym clothes ready yeah, there's, yeah. there's minimal friction between you and the gym so right, right, yeah. as easy as because that's that's where we actually fall off we we don't yeah. fall off because oh uh, i have to go there again it's not, no it's actually once you start this off and then it starts snowballing then it you go to the gym once you're in the gym you you spend some 15 20 minutes there yeah. then it happens then that happens then that happens it it's sort of like a flow after that uh, what you know scott adam says is this is again maybe it's more like a framework idea is i think other people have said this too but the idea that uh, goals are for losers what you need is a system because once you have goals you have a winning and failing but with a system you don't really care you just this is what you do like you don't have a goal that i'm going to lose this weight you just have a system that you go to the gym at 10 o'clock every day or whatever and that way there's no winning or losing and you know that as long as you go to the gym every day at a certain point in time it's only going to be good for you right you don't care whether you're 10 pounds less or 5 pounds less whether you meet the goal or you all you care is you are a person who exercises that's the system right and i thought that was a powerful idea because to your point and i get up at in the morning and let's say my system is i go to the gym at 6 and there's definitely going to be that day where i'm like i can't really make it and well my system is not about working out my system is i go to the gym at 6 so i just go to the gym and then maybe i can't run but i do something else i'll hang out in the gym usually what happens is if you put on your running shoes and you get there you end up doing something and and then the chain and chain continues uh, so yeah it's a powerful idea the next question i have is now how do you tie it back to the first book this seems like you've really enjoyed the book i mean i can tell it from what all you had to say about the book but how do you tie it back to the first idea of digital minimalism so the first link is this book i'm kind of preempting your usual last question which is what will you ask the author for scott adams i would ask something related to digital minimalism because uh, this book came out well before digital was an issue right i think it came out 6 years ago i, I don't know the exact time but so this is not an issue for him but he does make some points in the book about decision making uh, so he says uh, if i if you remember in the list of happiness in the happiness formula he had one line which said make all the routine decisions simple because he says that decision making actually creates difficulty in your mind so you want to spend your decision making power on truly the important decisions you don't want to spend every morning thinking about which shirt you're going to wear that morning right like this is a simple routine decisions and you know it's not going to influence your life that much and just make that thing make that a process whatever works for you but a similar example i could give you like more personal is that driving to work you know i usually drive the same way i don't like try to optimize my route every day depending on what google maps is telling me and i don't speed too much because 
speeding means you're going to put more effort into driving carefully whereas stick to the same lane don't be in and out you know all kind of small things i'd rather spend the time thinking or listening to something that's useful those are small decisions that might appear like a lot they might appear inconsequential but those decision making the decision making capacity i don't want to lose it on uh, in in things so that's one link between the second book and the first book because the first book let is about me, uh, let me interrupt you i i think i've yeah. heard of barack obama and mark zuckerberg wearing the same type of clothes so that they yeah. don't have to yeah. decide on what to wear i think steve jobs turtleneck also falls in the same category Yeah, a lot of big dudes usually have, have simplify a lot of those decisions. In fact, uh, Steve Jobs is famous for minimalism, right? It's uh, he. I, I remember reading his biography, and he, uh, he bought a huge mansion, and there was hardly any furniture in it. He just like used to sit on the floor because he just wants space and time to just think. Wow. And he has some new agey uh, history, right? So he was into. He lived the hippie lifestyle. He, uh, you know, famously. Uh, in reed college uh, he he uh, audited a calligraphy class and uh, i don't know if you know that story that he, he audited the calligraphy class and yeah, yeah, he learned yeah. more from that class than any other class and eventually that ended up influencing how he designed the mac and uh, some of the fonts that first showed up in the mac were all his his inspiration from taking a calligraphy class whereas most of the people who would have designed it would have been you know typical computer scientists who have no interest in graphics that minimalism the idea of uh, not cluttering your mind and space you know that's very prevalent like it's not it's not certainly uh, a new thing and i'm trying to think you know going back to the first book there is this element of being selective in what you do and part of that is spending time alone god adams makes a similar point he says uh, look at your energy level and decide who to let into your life there is a link to the social media you know if you have a, a million wow. people in your life who are always sending you some updates you're consuming your brain power and you're actually interacting with a lot of people without it being meaningful and it's there's an interesting word here it's called solitude deprivation and uh, it's in uh, it's in the first book where the guy says people are so much more connected now in social media but they're they're still lonely like it's because they don't have true solitude they have like some kind of a mix between i'm able to see all these people and what they do so i'm kind of connected to them but i'm still lonely because the only way i'm connected to them is by comparing over oh, what they're doing which beach they're on you know which new outfit they bought or which new car they're driving it's not genuine interaction right so it leads to two things one you actually don't have solitude anymore you don't have time to be in your own space and think but at the same time you're still lonely so it's like a paradox of of modern living and and scott adams's point there is decide who you want to let into your life so which means this kind of a random social media thing is out maybe we get to, we'll get to ask him a question or maybe he'll write a, write a book or update this book at some point for the new digital world but that's that's an interesting compare between the two do you get enough solitude in your life where you can sit and think and not be disturbed and once you think about it i'll tell you the abraham lincoln story oh wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have meditation time for myself uh, that is one uh, slot of time the other that these days last let's say last two three weeks have restarted is uh, swimming and swimming is also like total solitude because all you hear is uh, the sound of bubbles air and you know water gurgling and this is all you hear yeah uh, so there is no scope for anything else yeah so that's 
that's those are, those are two and the third one is these errands that i are my pet hates i actually turned them into something that i started relishing because of uh, when i looked at it it said wait a second this is our solitude time also so it was a change of thoughts for me because i never liked those errands but now it actually brings solitude to me so i sort of started enjoying them okay that, that all makes sense now i'll throw in what what lincoln used to do oh boy so <laughs> compare what i said so <laughs> lincoln, just okay. like just like you lincoln was uh, dealing with a few mini problems right like there's the problem with the slaves the should the emancipation pro- proclamation potential bloody civil war he was dealing all of this with all of this in the white house and did you know and and, and this was new to me did you know that he had secret getaway somewhere close to the white house where he would forget the name of the building like it is in the book but uh, it's basically a place where he used to escape on horseback without any protection like he just like escape and spend like whole afternoons whole days sometimes and he had a you know a maid and a housekeeper and everybody who take took care of you know, his food and everything there and he used to be in the living room of the house he used to be stretched out on the couch with a sheet on top and once in a while people will come and give him some updates but he just would just chill out for like hours and hours uh, this was this was apparently the place where he got some quiet solitude to think about big decisions like you know should i actually free the slaves which obviously today in today's day it seems like an obvious decision but it was like very difficult decision given the environment at the time the potential war and everything so he was dealing with that and he needed that solitude solitude to to make those decision because the white house was the equivalent uh, the the equivalent of the social media today right because he was bombarded all the time there were so many issues around the country that he was dealing with and i thought that was interesting that you know people at that level figure out some way to escape and think when they have to make really big decisions <laughs> it is also true that he was somebody figured it out and there was an assassination attempt on when he was going on horseback <laughs> like to his escape oh but okay. so that's a historical story for you of how people found solitude mandatory final question to wrap up this podcast hypothetical questions to the authors i think you sort of referred to the question to scott adams but what about cal newport one more time this is the second question you got asked cal newport writes a book every uh, looks like he writes a book every other year in fact i think i got an email from him he's trying to do a survey of all the people who were signed up for his uh, email list to see to to narrate their personal experiences on digital minimalism i was debating whether to write to him but my experience with digital minimalism is pretty standard like so it's not like he, my question would be what what is his next book is it going to be on the same topic where he's going to go one level higher or uh, because i can't think of doing any more than what he's already done so that's kind of what i'm curious about but nothing from the book itself because i thought it was he was very clear of on this topic my personal question for me is how much i can uh, i can avoid like you know how much i can reduce digital clutter in my life and that's like a personal question but uh, yeah not much more for him and for uh, scott adams scott adams is, is interesting because he's become a little bit of a pol- i don't know if you follow him he's become a little bit more of a political animal now though that's not his intent i think his intent is just uh, he he wrote another book about trump called i think it's called bim bigly which is about trump and his persuasion skills and i think that is a, i mean that is well received too but i obviously because it's political it's taken a political twist to it so I'm, 
I'm curious. I would really love it if, if there's an update on his original book rather than him writing about politics. But his question, I guess, would be, you know, given all the changes with social media and how people's lives have changed, how, what does he think? What more would he add to the book? And, and I'm pretty sure whatever he comes up with, it'll be funny and insightful at the same time. So I'm like, uh, I, I'd hope he does it. <laughs> One suggestion to you is you could probably send Cal Newport the link to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the answer to what I think about your book and what I have in my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I will do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Okay. So it's been fun. This is a double feature and I really enjoyed listening to Prissy of Modi's book, wonderful book. I I'm thank you for introducing me to the, these two books. I had a good time. Hopefully all of you listening there also had a good time. Thank you so much for listening this part. Same here Bala. Thank you and thank you everybody and uh, if uh, we get a good response from this maybe we'll keep doing double features. What do you say Bala? Oh sure yeah yeah two for the price of one <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right on that note thank you guys bye bye if you liked the podcast and found it useful please feel free to share the link via your favorite social media platform to recommend an interesting book for our next discussion please leave us a comment see you next time <laughs>